It's the Hoffman Show on the day the Commanders have a coach on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. I am Craig Hoffman. Welcome to the show. Anthony Haney, super producer in the building as well. And Haney, our plan of keeping Thursday's rundown open just in case the Commanders hired a coach worked out to perfection. Yeah, we needed it for sure. Uh, we did, and then we filled the rundown. Yes. And boy, did we fill the rundown. Whether you are, like, let's say right now you just got out of work, you get in your car, you're excited to listen, and you're going to listen on your drive home. No, 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 no. That's not enough today. You need to plan the next three hours to just be with us because we have everything, every perspective you could want. We have national perspective. We have local perspective. Shoot, we got a former pro bowler who played for Dan Quinn coming up on the show luckily for you you can listen to us in all kinds of ways obviously in your car uh, or on any radio 980 a.m or 1067 hd2 fm uh, in the dc area we are nationwide always live on the free odyssey app and yes we also stream live on youtube at the team 980 maybe today is the day you take advantage of that just pull up the youtube app on your smart tv Search the Team 980, and we should pop up right there live and ready to go. And if you got stuff to do, that's okay. We will put all of this in our podcast feed after the show. Just search the Hoffman Show podcast wherever you get your pods. That lineup looks like this. Mike Jones in 30 minutes from The Athletic. John Keim at 5 o'clock from ESPN. His colleague at ESPN. You see her on Get Up. Former Washington Post writer Kim Martin at 5.30. And K.J. Wright, former Seahawks linebacker, joins us at 6. But we'll start uh, with our own thoughts here on the hiring of Dan Quinn. I realize that a lot of fans are upset today. Because Dan Quinn is not a sexy hire. He is someone who has been a head coach before. He was 43 and 42. Things trended very well. He lost his offensive coordinator, a guy who we are very familiar with and who will be coaching in the Super Bowl next week. And it went downhill and ended poorly. I get why that is very uninspiring on its surface. And I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and try to blow smoke up your butt and tell you that Dan Quinn is a home run hire and how dare could you have any doubts in the world. I sit maybe not firmly in the dead center, but I sit somewhere in the middle. This is a good hire. Dan Quinn is a good coach. And the more, the closer you are to the NFL and the smarter you are within the NFL, the more you like, you seem to think highly of Dan Quinn. And so I'm much more inclined, with all due respect, to everyone who is a fan who has never worked in the league, and neither have I. I've covered the league, which is some level of proximity. But I, I am much more inclined to listen to all of the former players, all of the current players, all of the coaches, uh, current and former, who look at Dan Quinn and go, that's one of the best coaches in the league. There are coaches who are saying this, and, and people around the league, executives who say this on the record. There are people that tell you off the record. People in the league think extraordinarily highly of Dan Quinn. And there's a key difference between what they say about Dan Quinn and what they said about Ron Rivera, because I can already hear you, and I've been dealing with it. Uh, I don't say dealing with it. I, I've seen it on social media all day. Um, it, it is what it is. Uh, it's a great exchange of 
you know, fans uh, that can get their opinions off and whether it's there, whether it's YouTube comments, whatever it may be, like I understand why people look at this and go Ron Rivera 2.0. The resume has a couple of similar points, but and people say a lot of the same things, right? Dan Quinn's a great dude. Dan, Dan Quinn, highly thought of. Dan Quinn this, Dan Quinn that. Where like, isn't that the same thing people said about Rivera? But here's the thing. If you listen closely, it's not. And why it's not is a very important distinction. A lot of people said Ron Rivera is a good man. A lot of people said Ron Rivera was the right guy for the job, considering the job in Washington had a lot to do with cleaning up the culture. There were questions about Ron Rivera's football acumen. And those questions turned out to have a whole lot of legitimacy. Nobody questions Dan Quinn as a coach. People will tell you, yes, Dan Quinn is an awesome human being. And he uses that, those human relationships and those people skills to be a better coach. But they will also tell you he is a tremendous teacher. They will also tell you he is fantastic at holding his players accountable. Yeah, he's your friend, but he's the friend that's going to make sure you don't make bad decisions, not the friend who's going to indulge in your bad decisions with you. And that's the kind of friend that you want as a coach. Dan Quinn's a serious person. And I was talking to a media buddy of mine in Atlanta, and uh, I, he told me, like, by the time things were going south in Atlanta, that, you know, there were a couple of things where he's like, I don't really love the, the way this is messaged or the way he handled that thing in the press. And, you know, that does give you pause. That does give you pause of like, okay, well, what's he going to do with a DC media and DC press corps that is bigger and more intense compared to Atlanta, which, you know, they cover football down there, but it's different. Th it's different here. It just is. This is a bigger media market and a more intense one. So he's going to have to learn to handle those things, but he's also been in the Dallas Cowboys organization the last three years. And that's as big of a media circus as there is in the league. So I think for Dan Quinn, as long as he does a couple of things differently than he did in Atlanta, you can take all the things that got him up 28-3 in the Super Bowl. You can't blow a 28-3 lead unless you have it, which is somewhere that most coaches haven't even been to. Um, you can take the good things and keep them. And I do have a good idea of what some of those things are. And if I've got a good idea after a day and a half of, of kind of digging and reporting on this stuff, reporting's probably a little strong, fact-finding about this stuff, you damn well better think that Dan Quinn's got a, a, a pull on these things as well. I would say, obviously, he's got to be more involved on the football side and do more coaching, which, by the way, is something that Rivera wishes he had done here. Sure, but, like, again, Dan Quinn's the better coach. Um, you know, K.J. Wright uh, is going to join, a, or you'll hear the interview at 6 o'clock. I talked to him a little bit earlier today. He said he would tell DQ, be a good, be a play caller. Do what D'Amico Ryans is doing in, in Houston. Do what, obviously, so many of these offensive coaches do because he is special in that, that realm. So I'm hoping that he does that. Now, it looks like he's bringing one of his lieutenants from Dallas, so maybe they're on the same page and he doesn't necessarily have to do that. But he got involved in the defense in Atlanta day-to-day -day way too late. If he sees it going sideways, I would think that he jumps in a lot faster. I think, obviously, game management is something that he's going to look at. That 28-3 loss is serious. I think he will have a better succession plan for his offensive coaches. If he does say, let's or let's say hire Clint Kubiak, the 49ers pass game coordinator, who, by the way, don't hold your breath on that, not because it's not going to happen. Don't hold your breath because you're going to die before it happens. 
you can't interview him until after the Super Bowl. That's how it works when a coach is in the Super Bowl. You can't actually get that done until after the fact. So if there's no OC for a week, they're probably circling someone. They've probably had some back-channel discussions, and I would imagine it's someone off of the 49er staff, whether that is Brian Greasy or Clint Kubiak or whoever it may be that they ultimately hire. And then that person can go raid the cabinets of the other teams or across the league for the position coaches and try to bring some folks from San Francisco, et cetera, et cetera. Um, by and large though, I think the biggest difference here for Dan Quinn versus Ron Rivera is structural. And I know this is probably not what folks want to hear. Um, they want to hear that this guy's a genius and that this guy has got everything that he did wrong in Atlanta figured out. But the reality is Dan Quinn now gets to be what he's good at. And this is why I'm hopeful for his success in Washington not guaranteeing anything. I can't do that. Uh, nor would I be giving you any kind of honest level of confidence if I was standing on the table being like, this guy's going to win a Super Bowl. That's, I mean, I think it's definitely possible. But at the end of the day, they hired Dan Quinn to be the football coach. In Atlanta, he had too much personnel control. Ron here had way too much control over everything. Adam Peters is in charge. And I think Adam Peters is good at his job. Dan Quinn is going to be the football coach. I think Dan Quinn is a really good football coach. And the, the, those factors, that structural setup, that set of responsibilities being in the right place can lead to the type of cohesive vision, to use the buzzword that they have been using in the building over in Ashburn, the alignment that helps teams win. That pull of the rope in the same direction for everyone, is what winning organizations are made of. Yes, the smartest people doing the pulling helps a lot. But if you have smart people pulling in different directions, you're going to fail. And I think what you have here is a setup where good people, and I'm, I'm saying this both in terms of their character and their ability to do their jobs, good people are in the right positions. That in itself is a formula for success. They have to execute. They have an enormous responsibility with this number two pick. But the fact that you actually have a good football coach being asked to do football coach stuff is better than they've had here in a half a decade, and it's better than what Dan Quinn had in Atlanta. And it's why I think, if you ask me today, if the line of success is multiple playoff appearances and getting this thing on the right track and being competitive, I think this was a good hire that can absolutely get them there. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. We're streaming live on YouTube as well at the Team 980. We're joined by Mike Jones at the bottom of the hour, which means we're going to squeeze in your calls next. Quick reactions from you on the phones, 301-230-0980, next on the Hoffman Show. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well, on the free Odyssey app saying hey, hey, hey to you on the Ace Law listener line at 301-230-0980. If you're in a wreck, Ace Law helps you get a check. Call 8888-ACE-LAW. 
law. Uh, let's get to it. Uh, your calls quickly because Mike Jones is going to join us coming up in less than 15 minutes from The Athletic. What did he make of the process and the result? Dan Quinn in as the head coach of the Commanders. Uh, let's go to Mike in Southwest to get us started. Mike, thanks for calling. You are on the Hoffman Show. Hey, what's up, Craig? Um, I, I like shows like this, and I like you doing shows like this. I feel like this is going to be a good show, so um, I thank you for that. But I'm thank not you. I'm not excited or upset. I understand the um, Quinn and Rivera comparisons, but I can tell you right now, there will be no Salamanders talk like it was with the Commanders and Commanders and all that stuff, because one difference is Quinn actually has some success in between his tenure between Atlanta and his next head coaching job. So I do feel like that is a plus for Quinn. And I'm not going to lie. Logan Paulson, he did a good job on take command, give us some behind-the-scenes perspective on um, Quinn, and it did help favor him more. But I'm just saying I'm not upset. I'm super cautiously optimistic more than a D.C. sports fan normally would be. But I feel like at the end of the day, he'll he'll be okay. He'll be okay. Yeah, I appreciate the call, Mike, and thanks uh, thanks tremendously for the kind words uh, about the show and, and what we're trying to do, having rational heads here. Um, I will say this. That, that story that Logan told on Take Command about how Dan called him and called others and really tried to understand what went wrong in Atlanta, to me, says so much. Because the thing with Rivera that drove me nuts is I still don't think Ron has any idea what went wrong in Carolina and what went wrong in D.C. Like, he is bad at identifying problems, which is why he can't fix them. I think Dan Quinn is has already proven, just like from a football sense, he's a better problem solver. We're going to see how he is as a head coach, but, like, that's really important. Can you identify things? And hopefully he can identify them more in real time when new challenges arise moving forward. But, you know, that's that's the gig. You know, good coaching is being a good teacher and a good problem solver. I think I think that's the the some of the best traits you have as a head coach. Uh, let's go to let's mix it up a little bit. And let's go to Dion. Dion, thanks for calling. You are on the Hoffman show. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I just want to highlight one thing. Uh, I do listen to JP and Mitch and also Chris Russell. And I didn't quite hear them speak on the group bringing in Quinn three times before Ben even was available to be interviewed. So that speaks highly to me that the group bringing them in the third time really liked so fitting in with the yeah, hold on, Dion, real quick though, I do think that was a misreport. I think what had happened was he his original interview got scheduled or rescheduled, and so it was his second interview was his first in person, and some people thought that was his second in person and plus the Zoom interview. So I actually do think he only interviewed twice the Zoom interview, like everyone, and then uh, the in person like most of the, the final candidates did. But it was very clear coming out of both of those, you heard some some rumblings, which is about all you get from this group, that they really liked him a lot, that he was very near the top of their list. Yeah, that's true, man. I heard he did good in the interview. Uh, again, I think 
a lot of folks not understanding the group that has been put together. You got excused in a little noise, man. I'm driving a tractor trailer. Long story short, <laughs> you got a lot of brains that are yes. smart in that group. Some of them sports figures, some of them not. But I can see them diligently doing what they needed to do. They had multiple coaches on that list. But I see Dan being one that fits what the GM want and what the owners want as a collective. So that's yeah, my no. take on it, man. I like the hire, and I hope the dude do well. I appreciate the call, Dion. Thank you. I think the other thing that I like, you know, talk about the fit with the GM. Like, obviously, Dan worked with Kyle in Atlanta. They're, they have a great relationship. I tend to think that is how he is going to want to model his organization. Obviously, Adam Peters uh, comes from San Francisco uh, working with Kyle. But they also have, you know, experience working with other people. But I, I think one of the things I like about, like, actually, I look as a positive of him being the retread guy. Like, Dan's done it with the power, and it didn't work. Not that he had final say over everything in Atlanta, but he definitely had a big say. That's not the case here, and I don't think he's going to all of a sudden want it one day. I think Dan Quinn is going to be happy to be the football coach. And sure, maybe one day, does he want to raise, or does he want a little bit more of this, or a little bit of that? And maybe he and Adam Peters at that point have a great relationship, and they go, you want to know what? We'll give you a little bit more say. Like I'm still going to be working here, but you know we're gonna we're gonna shift uh, a little bit. But Dan Quinn is coming to work with Adam Peters, not for with. And I think that's really important. Where if you do get a young hotshot coach, does that guy get a little impatient at some point? So um, not that I wouldn't take a young hotshot coach who's got great passion and and great vision and all the things that would make him successful. But I do think like there is a very clear understanding of roles and boundaries here that is good for the organization. Well, again, they got to execute, but it is what it is. Um, all right, Anthony, uh, two, three, or four. We got, we got time for one more. I think two, three, or four. Uh, I went with three yesterday, so two or four. I say two. All right, let's go to our guy, D.H. D.H., thanks for calling again. Uh, you're on the Hoffman Show again. What's up? Hey, man, I love being here, man. I appreciate y'all having me back. Look, man, I feel like what, what you guys uh, have been talking about, especially with you and Logan, about those relationships, right? And I know they talk about good coaching relationships, but good relationship with players. We don't, we don't, I don't know if we were able to see uh, who he will be able to bring in to come help bolster this roster as well with guys that want to play for him because – uh, the stories that Logan has shared. But I shared this, this coaching search. It's almost like uh, my home search for a couple of years ago, man. The house I live in now is not the house that I specifically picked first, but it was on the list. I checked it out a couple of times. Uh, and then the, the, the house that I really wanted, uh, it was gone. They offered more than what I had. So I did get this house, quote unquote, settled. Uh, but it turned out to be the best option for me and my family, man. Some of the parts felt lived in. Uh, some of the furniture needed to be uh, – I mean, new furniture needed new paint. Uh, so we'll see what comes in on the staff and kind of revamp the process. But it turned out to be the best option for me. Now, we won't know that for a couple of seasons. But, I mean, it seems like a good, safe selection. It's not nothing too risque. It's not the sexy pick. And I think that's what fans were having an issue with. It's not sexy. It's not brand new. No, it just might just be consistent, which at this point in our fandom – as far as wins and losses, we might need some consistency where we're just in the mix every year for the playoffs and we have a good scheme and guys want to come here. I mean, that's might just be what we need. And further, 
if he can help fix Emmanuel Forbes and turn him into the playmaker they're supposed to be, Bro. the same way he helped Deron Bland uh, turn into that. that guy, man, I'm I'm all for it. So, hey, let's sign me up. Now it's just time to go play football, man. It's that my my favorite time of year, the off season. Let's roll this thing and, and let's let's go see what we can do. Indeed. DH, thanks as always for the call. Uh, you know, another analogy that I really liked um, that I've kind of used is like, you know, you, you, go, you go play pickup hoops and start picking sides and all the young athletic guys that were dunking in warm-ups get picked and then you start running fives and um, those guys suck. And then the old guy who's got game that was picked last all of a sudden is just running things up and down the court. He's, he's throwing full court outlet passes like that. That's what I'm hoping Dan Quinn is. And we'll see. But the, that's that's what the I'm old hoping guy for. Said pick, yeah, he rebounds. He might have two points, but he gonna give you all the fouls, and he gonna make sure the team stay together. That's that's me now, actually. But yeah, that's, <laughs> that's that might just be what we need. That's DH, we I haven't played pickup in a minute, but I'm scared that's also now me. But we'll have to we'll have to figure that out another day. Appreciate the call, brother. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that's that's correct. Um, and if it works, it'll be because he's got that know-how, because he knows what he's doing at this point. He knows the mistakes he made. He knows how to fix them. But I will say, some of the personnel here, the way it matches up with DQ's defense, I am very, very intrigued. Like, Emmanuel Forbes, I saw he had a tweet earlier. That's an excited man. Hey, finally, someone who's going to let me go create turnovers. That not be whining about my slightly imperfect technique when I'm still playing very well uh, in the eyes of everybody else. Uh, so there's there's things like that that I think are very exciting. I think some of the flaws that he's had in his defenses could be fixed by some of the personnel here. We'll get into that as we go. Mike Jones set to join us next, though, from The Athletic on the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on that free Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app and streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980 as well. And we're joined now by our good pal Mike Jones from The Athletic. Mike, uh, fun little day we're having here, huh? Hey, you know, uh, nothing like a little, what are we on, Thursday uh, Thursday news dump here? You know, it's pretty quiet. We're watching, we're waiting, and then boom. Here we go. Finally yeah. got their guy. Yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing. So we were talking this morning when we set this up, right? And we said, uh, at that point, I'd seen your tweet about kind of the process and where it goes. And then all of a sudden, like 30 minutes later, they announced Quinn. Like, what did you make of the process to get here? And how do you think that's impacting how people see this hire? Well, um, the process itself, I think it played out kind of awkwardly. Um you know, just because it was clear that they were trying to wait this thing out um, because they wanted to interview, Brian, uh, you know, Ben Johnson again. Um, he was their favorite guy from, you know, all accounts. And but, you know, when I asked around the league, you know, hey, we surprised that he pulled out Washington, Seattle. And, you know, the people around the league that I talked to said, no, I mean, he's a different kind of cat. And look, remember, he backed out of an interview request with Atlanta, with Carolina, um, and they knew that he had a very high asking price. And some people thought that the asking price was to some degree because he wasn't totally sure that he wanted to leave. So he almost made it, you know, a little bit, hey, if I'm going to leave, let it be an insane amount there. Um, and so you saw some talented guys come off of the market while they were waiting this thing out. And so, you know, that didn't look the greatest 
um, you know, they will tell us that, hey, Dan Quinn was our guy from jump. We wanted a strong leader or whatever. And maybe so. But if they wanted Dan Quinn absolute the most, they could have hired him um, on the spot, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Now, did they just want to do their due diligence and, and see Ben Johnson one more time? I guess you could say that. But again, just the way that it played out, it didn't look the greatest, especially because the way they went so hard, got the number one guy on the market in the general manager search. Um, and so this was different. Yeah, I, I do. I totally agree with you. And I think that they almost had to make this higher today to save any face. Not that like, look, once they take the field, how much does this stuff matter? Not really much, um, unless there's a reason they didn't like the guy. Um, but it's kind of like you open it up again and try to add candidates then you're admitting that the guys that you interviewed and were left with were not impressive enough for you to hire one of them. So the idea that they could have potentially opened it up, like Schefter was on ESPN last night going like, oh, well, they, they could take their time now. I'm like, not really, because if if not, like, or if so, like your whole process that looked really smart and looked like it was well put together clearly didn't work. And that's not a, that's not a great start to uh, the Josh Harris slash Adam Peters era. No, it wasn't. And I mean, take your time. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, he said they could take the time. It could be tomorrow. It could be, you know, a week from now. Um, so, you know, who knows? But I, I agree with you. They had to make this hire now. Um, the only way that if they didn't is if they said, hey, we wanted to, we want, you know, we really like Steve Wilkes. But the thing is, if they really liked him, they would have put in an interview request and they would have been able to interview him uh, before now, right after conference championships. And also, Adam Peters knows Steve Wilkes. So even if that was the narrative, it still would have been a little sketchy. Um, But either way, to us, it looks odd. Um, And I know for the fans, this isn't the most, you know, sexy hire. I sent out a text blast to a number of talent evaluators and coaches, and everybody's got good things to say about Dan Quinn. Um, You know, and people are like, look, don't let the Cowboys last game uh, sway you on this guy. He's got the body of work. It's a smart hire. He's a strong leader. He'll connect with his players. He'll put them in position uh, to succeed. This is a good hire. That was multiple people said that. But they also said, look, it's going to take time, though. That roster is not nearly as good as what it was even last year. Um, you know, Ron and Marty kind of, um, you know, they put them in a position you know, where it was hard for them to succeed. No offensive line. Trading away both pass rushers. Not having strong linebacking court. Um, you know, so those are all things they're going to have to get. Uh, and it could take a year, it could take two years, uh, but they have the resources. Now we'll see how they use it. Yeah, Mike Jones is with us from The Athletic. I struggle with this roster, not because I think it's actually great, but I like maybe it's better than we think. And it was so poorly coached that there are a few pieces here or there that not that I think everyone's going to be like that. But like, is there one piece here, one piece there that was just so horribly misused? I look at a guy like Emmanuel Forbes, who struggled like he's the kind of corner that Dan Quinn wants, that super aggressive turnover machine. So I'm curious, like, as you talk to talent evaluators who are taking jobs in new places, how do they go about, like, if you're Adam Peters or Dan Quinn coming into this job, how do you try to begin to evaluate what looks like a flaming pile of wreckage from the 2023 commander season? Yeah, well, this is the problem. They don't have a lot of draft picks that have done well for them, really. You know, Um, when you think back the last several years, uh, they haven't. And so there are holes there. You've used, you know, draft picks. 
your best position is probably your defensive tackle position spot. Somebody said to me, but you know what? Jonathan Allen doesn't sound like he's a guy who wants to go through more rebuilding. It is, you're going to have to wind up trading him because he's thinking about his next contract. He wants to win. He wants to get paid. Um, will they wind up having to trade him? Um, when you look at the roster, there's nothing on the offensive line that's something that you can say, hey, here's a real cornerstone there. They went out and got some free agent linemen. Didn't really give them a whole lot there. Uh, the linebacking core, again, edge rushers. Uh, those were areas that people mentioned to me. They also say, hey, you know, the question's about Forbes because he was, you know, a, a supposedly, look, remember when he was drafted, we all had questions because this kid sure. was, you know, very long, which is great, but really, really light. Um, now, will Dan Quinn be able to find a way to put him in position to succeed and take advantage of his strengths? Maybe he'll be a better uh, defensive minor. Whoever he brings in as a defensive backs coach can get something out of him. But, you know, just given the track record of all the draft picks that were under Ron, um, it's hard to look at this whole roster and say there's a lot there. What I was told uh, from another town evaluator said, hey, that roster probably two years ago was pretty good, had some holes, but still had some pieces. Now, basically, you have Terry. Um, you know, you had a young quarterback, but he's kind of, you know, shell-shocked, ruined a little bit by the way he was mismanaged. Um, you know, Brian Robinson, a decent running back there. Uh, but overall, there's not a real position you can point to and say, hey, we are great right here outside of, again, probably the wide receiver position. Uh, but a lot of holes, got to get them off the line, got to get better linebackers, got to get edge rushers. Uh, so that way you can you know, make a little bit of an <laughs> Right. The hope is that they're not as bad at scouting as it seems and they were worse in coaching. Uh, but there's also the chance that they were actually that bad at scouting, in which case, oh, buddy, this is going to be a long rebuild. Um, you know, Sam Cosby along the offensive line. But like, again, it's a misuse. Like if the best thing you've done in the last four years is take a right tackle that turns into a good right guard, that wasn't a good use of a pick. You, you're just you're bad at this. And that's seems to be where we've been at. Um, you mentioned the coaches. You do such a good job of kind of covering the, the next crop of up and coming coaches. We've heard the name Clint Kubiak bandied about a couple of others already. What are you hearing in terms of the OC still available and who could be a good fit with Dan Quinn? Uh, probably off that Kyle Shanahan tree, who obviously he and Dan had such great success in Atlanta or he and Kyle had such great success in Atlanta. Right. You know, and that's, I asked somebody, I said, does Kyle have any more guys that he can raise right now? <laughs> uh, because, you know, Raheem Morris is swiping guys right now, yeah. like from, from, right. from Kyle, from, uh, from Sean McVay, like they're getting those guys. Now, Chris Morgan is a name that was mentioned to me. Um, he was also in Atlanta uh, there, an offensive line guy, but somebody that's also been viewed as um, a potential offensive coordinator uh, in the making. I'm not saying that Dan Quinn or that he's, you know, that he's the guy right now. But a couple years ago, somebody had said, hey, this guy's got a bright future. And I continue to hear that he's the guy that, um, so if you're looking at that, that Al Shanahan tree um, of guys, uh, you know, maybe that's a name. Again, we'll see. Uh, and we don't know if Dan Quinn is going to go with that same type of offense um, this time around. He could do something different. Um, Pep Hamilton's a name that was told to me, hey, look, he's a very good offensive coordinator. He's had success. I'm in a lot of different stops with different styles of quarterbacks. Um, he's a guy that, you know, should. But again, we don't know what Dan Quinn um, is looking at. You know, it seems like uh, that that Shanahan type of uh, brand is what is really expanding and taking over the league. But uh, again, 
you know, maybe he looked for something entirely different in his second act as a head coach. Mike Jones from The Athletic with us. Let me ask you about a name that I am stunned I have not heard more. Frank Smith is Mike McDaniel's top lieutenant in Miami on the offensive side. He was a guy I thought was going to get head coaching looks. I think Carolina had him in for an interview. I can't remember. But I'm kind of surprised that his name hasn't come up more. And I do wonder if, like, Dan or someone else could pry him away from Mike by offering him play-calling responsibilities, which obviously McDaniels is calling the plays at Miami's. What's kind of the Frank Smith story been this offseason? Yeah, you know, and it was interesting that he was one of the guys that the NFL Players Association, when they did their poll, they pulled all the players, and you were supposed to rank your coordinator. And he was one of the top five uh, vote getters um, uh, of all the coordinators. Uh, but what was interesting about him, that some people, when I asked, you know, guys who were who were interviewing for general manager jobs, say, hey, do you, did you put any stock into that survey? And a lot of them said no. Um, because they're like, look, a lot of these offensive coordinators that they're saying here have never called plays. So they're a little bit of unknowns. Um, and, and Frank Smith was a the guy they say, hey, I mean, yeah, he's there with Mike McDaniel, who does a great job, but he's only been there for, you know, a, a two years. And we just don't know um, a whole lot about him at that time. Now, is it somebody that, um, you know, the coaching, you know, fraternity is very small. You know, there's only 32 coaching staffs and everybody is connected in some way. Is that a, a way that you could get somebody? I think that by offering him play calling duties, it would be the carrot that you have to dangle um, to get him. But again, we don't know if that is, you know, who Dan Quinn's looking at, uh, but he is a guy that's well-respected by his players, even though he wasn't a play caller because of his organizational skills, the way he's able to connect um, with players and his attention to detail. And also, even though Mike McDaniel was the architect and the, the play caller, um, he still has to lead the offensive meetings, uh, Frank Smith did. And so it's not like this guy's incompetent. All these guys are calling plays in their heads. Um, and sometimes they're having input just because they haven't been play callers. But it's just something that um, it kind of depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for a veteran guy or a guy that, you know, maybe needs a little more seasoning. I think, you know, Bobby Sloak was a guy that, you know, had some head coaching interest. But I think a lot of people were kind of kicking the tires on him to look for the future. This is his first year as a play caller, did a great job, but not ready for a head coaching job. But, you know, he jumped from not being a play caller in San Francisco to being a very good play caller with Houston with a rookie quarterback. So there's an example for you. If Frank Smith is a guy, yeah, he didn't call plays. Brian Callahan did not call plays in Cincinnati. Really impressed when I asked around in Tennessee, he was very prepared, had a clear vision, very detailed his knowledge of what their roster was and how he would use them really impressed them. So just because you're not a play caller doesn't mean that you're not um, a potential guy. And, you know, we'll see how it all plays out. Yeah. All right. Last thing for Mike Jones. I totally agree on that, by the way. I'm, I'm fascinated kind of that play calling thing. Like, yeah, it's really important, but there's a lot of other stuff that you can judge coaches off of. Um, last thing, uh, as we close the book on the last era here, we think that Eric Bieniemy is going to be on his way out. It does seem like Quinn's probably going to go in a different direction. I mean, obviously he could surprise us all and retain EB, but what's next for him? Um, you know, he, he comes to DC to prove that he can do uh, a job outside of Andy Reed's wingspan and, or outside of Andy Reed and with more responsibility. Yeah, I know there's a bunch of other factors there, but he didn't ultimately do a good job. Where does that leave him uh, now moving forward? You know, it's interesting. Um, I don't know uh, where that leaves him. Um, you know, I, I've heard different things. I know that players here um, 
weren't really a fan. I know that he was hard on his assistants, uh, but people on the outside felt like, hey, look, he had that kid playing very well for the first half of the season. Um, and then um, when you know defenses got the playbook on him and knew bring pressure and everything like that, they also fell behind a lot when their defense, you know, lost their two pass rushers and weren't able to stop anybody. And so they had to throw a whole lot. I felt like the enemy's play calling reflected basically a guy who's calling plays for a veteran quarterback um, and not a guy who knew how to develop a young guy. Um, so we'll see. I don't think that he was a bust. Was it as successful as what you know everybody would have hoped? No. Uh, but, you know, again, there's there's a lot of guys that are out there who are connected to certain guys that they've already had in mind. I haven't heard his name yet. Um, and a lot of these offensive coordinator positions are being filled up. Yeah, that is the weird thing. I'm just like, wait, are we going to go musical chairs and EB is going to go from a guy who came here to become a head coach to not even having an OC job? That seems I mean, weird, it but it seems plausible. Right. I mean, look, a couple of years ago, Byron Leftwich turned around the Jack, turned down the Jacksonville Jaguars head coaching job because he felt like maybe he'd find a better situation the next year. The next year, the Patriots weren't very good. Um, because, I mean, the Patriots, the Buccaneers weren't great. Tom Brady right. was on his way out, you know. Um, and then, you know, Byron Leftwich, nobody interviewed him the next year. And then this year, nobody could even tell you where he is. I've been on a goose chase since October trying to find the dude, <laughs> and nobody knows. So, you know, you hope that EB can bounce and find a place somewhere, but you just never know. Yeah, he would be great on TV. I'll tell you that much. His, yeah, his personalities. Sure. Let's let's get EB on a, on a mic. Just got to remind him uh, that probably he's going to be legislated by the FCC. Uh, anyone that went to training camp knows that that's, that could be an issue. Uh, Mike Jones with us. Uh, see you next week in Vegas. Yep, I'll be there. All right, I'll see you out on Radio Row. That's Mike Jones from The Athletic. Uh, read his work covering all the coaching searches league-wide. He's got great information, especially on that next crop of up-and-coming coaches always throughout the year. So as you kind of follow the cycle year-long, Mike's always a must-read. Uh, we get back. A few more thoughts to close out the hour. And then Mike and I's buddy John Keim joins us at 5 o'clock here on The Hoffman Show. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free odyssey app john keim in less than 10 minutes espn commander's reporter like he needs an introduction he's just john keim you know who he is keim with us at five o'clock uh let's take another call or two real quick uh let's go back to that ace law listener line uh where if you get in a wreck ace law can help you get a check by calling 8888 Ace Law. Let's go to Darren in Austin, Texas. Darren, are we listening on the Odyssey app or watching on YouTube? I'm listening on the Odyssey app. Uh, great to talk that. to you, Craig. Thanks, Darren. Um, okay, so what I want to say was, I don't know if you remember, but in in November, Josh Harris was speaking at some panel where he was talking about building an organization, and he talked about how you know, it's a long journey. There are no shortcuts to the top. This is exactly what he said. There's shortcuts to the middle. You want to be eight and eight. I can get you there quickly. Eight, eight and one. You want to be great. There are no shortcuts. And what's frustrating to me about this Dan Quinn hire is I feel like there's a 90% chance he's going to be mediocre. He's not going to be terrible, but I, I don't think he's going to be great. And I really wish we'd taken a chance, like a swing at somebody like Bobby Slowick. Um, if we couldn't get Ben Johnson. And I was just curious to hear your thoughts. Um, I think that's a totally fair call, Darren. Um, I I do think that Dan Quinn can be very successful here. And as I mentioned off the top of the show, I think the biggest difference in both what 
the situation was with Ron and what Dan initially had in Atlanta is this is a football coach being hired to be a football coach, not a personnel person or a manager or any of these other things. I also think even in those roles, Dan is just better at it, uh, Quinn is, than, than Ron Rivera. But structurally speaking, this is a much better thing. I also am not in the interviews, so that is very hard for me to like. It's it, I would should say it's actually very easy for me to second guess because I don't have all the information. I don't have any. Uh, I don't have any consequences of my thoughts. I just get to spew them, and if I'm right, great. If I'm not, great. It doesn't really matter. We're never gonna know. It's all hypothetical. I'm a radio host, not someone who actually hires people for NFL head coaching jobs. But I would have to imagine with that group of people in the room. If they thought Slowick was ready, they would have taken that swing. I think philosophically that's where I sit, and I'd be lying if I told you otherwise. I'd rather take the big swing on the guy who might not be quite ready but feel like I can provide him the infrastructure well, to be yeah, successful. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree with you, and I agree with you because like, it's not like we're going to be good the next couple of years anyway. And I would have felt so much more comfortable with somebody like Bobby Slowick working with a young quarterback and both being brought along. And you know what? If Slowick doesn't work out, we move on and our quarterbacks. In a, but in, I see here's, here's the thing I would say, Darren, and we got to let you go because time's coming up in a few minutes and I don't want to be late uh, for John or any guests. Um, but uh, I do. He, here's the, the problem with that philosophy. It sounds good uh, on paper, but if a guy's not ready and you're losing, that means you're going to develop a lot of bad habits. Guys are going to slip. You're not going to be competitive. Like he's going to be overwhelmed and not, and he's also then not going to do a good job developing the quarterback. I can tell you this right now. If they're not winning, it's not going to be because Dan Quinn is overwhelmed. There might be other issues, but it's not going to be because Dan Quinn isn't there to give it his all every single day and be highly organized and, and leading these guys and, and having people excited to go to work. They might just not be good enough because the roster's not very good, or maybe Dan uh, screws up a hire here and that coach isn't very good. But, like, it's not going to be because the head coach is in over his head. And if Slowick isn't ready and they're not very good, then that's definitely a possibility. So if you're not going to be good, I'd rather have the veteran retread to kind of build some good habits along the way of not being very good. And in three years, if you're still 8-8, eight and eight, Okay, well, then you fire Dan Quinn, and then maybe Bobby Slowick's ready then. And he's more ready. Or there's another young guy that's ready to come and take this thing to the next level. But at the end of the day, because of how barren this roster is, unless you have someone that's ready to be in complete control and command, um, you're not actually going to get – like, they got to get to C. C is a championship. They're, at, like, barely at A right now. We need, we need someone who's capable of getting from A to B. And hopefully someone who's all the way ready to go A to C. Um, but we thought Ron Rivera could go A to B, and he actually went, I think, from B to A. So I do think it's going to go better than that, which is nice. How did we get here? Uh, the guy who's got more information than anybody else in terms of the media side of it. No, we're not going to talk to Bob Myers, or we're not going to talk to Rick Spielman uh, or, or Adam Peters next. But on the media side of it, no one's got more info. Then our friend John Kime Cakes joins us next.